God is with us. I'm glad you're here. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6 by the direction of the Lord. As I was praying and meditating today and this evening, the Lord began to speak to me. But specifically right here, he spoke to me. Sometimes that's the way he does me. He just drags me right up to the end and then I think, Lord, what are we going to do here now? But I want to talk to you about the importance of taking authority over evil spirits. The body of Christ as a whole, and I'm led by the Lord, remember to do this. The body of Christ as a whole really doesn't talk a lot about this subject. And I'm not belittling anybody. Because there has been excess and even things that led to error in the area of dealing with devils, demons, and evil spirits. But the truth about the matter is, just like the Spirit of God said, I believe it was, what was it, Sunday or whatever, there was hordes of demons. And the hordes of demons, there's a lot of them. And when I'm speaking about the devil or anything, I'm not magnifying him or lifting him up or it, by any means. I am exposing his tactics. Because if you don't know how he operates and what he does and then how to deal with him because he is defeated. But what you are is you are a law enforcement official. Legally, scripturally, through the blood of Jesus, through his shed blood, death, burial, and resurrection, Satan has been stripped of his authority and power. But that may not be true in your life. Just because it's a reality in Scripture doesn't mean it's a reality in your life. And when it comes to dealing with the devil, this is what the Lord told me. You can't just make a confession. When it's the devil, you've got to cast him out and command him to go. When it's the devil attacking you or your mind or your body or our circumstances and situations, then you've got to take authority over him You just don't get scriptures and try to use your faith, even though faith's involved. You've got to command the devil to go in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our nation, this Canada here, and then the nation I'm from, United States of America, these demons operate and try to cause havoc, especially in the church world. And like I said, there's there's much abuse in this area, misunderstanding. Some people believe that You know, that everything that happens is the devil's fault that's bad. But not everything that happens bad in your life is necessarily of the devil. It didn't necessarily, I mean, indirectly it is. But it may be that you got your own self in a mess. You know what I mean? Oh, you're shouting about that now. I mean, that's that's good shouting grounds right there. Maybe you got yourself in a mess and then people uh, as a whole... You know, they can get uh, way out yonder with this stuff. And some go as far as to say, you know, that everything's the fault of the devil. You know, and the devil does this and the devil does that and the devil done this and the devil does that. The wind blows the curtain. They bind the devil. The door slams. I bind you, devil. And people get uh, demon conscious and devil kooky and get everything all messed up. 
And then you got the other extreme that says this, there's no such thing as a devil, that he's an imaginary figure. And people actually believe this, that who we call the devil, Satan or evil spirits are imaginary figures that we make up so that we'd have something to blame all the evil on in the world. And, and of course, the, uh, the, the devil is behind all evil, don't get me wrong. But they try to make us think, and, and they, people think this, that he's an imaginary figure that actually that does not exist. It's just a, you know, imaginary figure that the churches come up with because we say God is good and the devil is bad. You know, uh, Reverend Oral Roberts, you know, kind of came up with the God is good and the devil's bad kind of, you know, God is a good God. And it made a lot of folks mad. So the truth about this is, is that we don't go to the extreme and just blame everything on the devil. In fact, the devil's been getting the credit for what Eve done in the garden and Adam done in the garden for years. Let me say it again. The devil's been getting the credit for what Eve and Adam done in the garden for years. Thousands of years. Now there's... Uh, there's a phrase that goes throughout. I know it's in the United States. It was. And the phrase was, the devil made me do it. You ever heard that phrase? You know where that came from? That came from Flip Wilson. He used to do comedy skit routines. I don't know if you've ever seen that or not. I don't know if it showed up here or not. But he would say, the devil made me do it. He'd dress up like Geraldine. You know, it was a guy. And then he was in all kinds of shenanigans. And when they would catch him, he said, the devil made me do it. Well, most people think that's the scripture in the Bible. And it's not. It come from Flip Wilson's comedy routine. So the devil didn't make him do it. He done it because he wanted to do it. And so some things we blame on the devil is not the devil's fault. Oh, you're not shouting now. Yeah. <laughs> Some things we blame on the devil is not the devil's fault. Now, indirectly, he's behind all evil. But some things are just because that we don't walk in the light of the word or we're not applying the word to our life. And there's no condemnation to anybody if you're going through struggles, tests, and trials. So what I want to talk about from this standpoint of dealing with the devils and evil spirits and things I want to talk about knowing and understanding how to deal with him when you recognize him. Because you, sometimes you have to have a, a revelation from the Lord in order to deal with these evil forces and these evil spirits that come against you. These evil spirits now, what they do is they work, you know, and they come against Christians and then they come against ministers and, you know, they even come against families. Do you know that, Quinn? They come against families too. And it tries to destroy families. It tries to destroy young people. It tries to kill people. These evil spirits do. It tries to destroy nations. It tries to make a downfall in the church. And there's evil spirits like that that operate against the uh, people in the land. So in Ephesians chapter 6... In verse number 10, the Bible says, Finally, my brethren, this is the Spirit of God speaking through the Apostle Paul, and he recorded it for our benefit. 
He said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Isn't that right? Strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, tests, trials, temptations of the devil. Notice here, he didn't say that you would not have tests and trials. He didn't say that the devil wouldn't try to come against you. And he wouldn't get known anybody that the devil came against. Isn't that right? The devil came against me. The devil used me. The devil actually possessed me at one time because I yielded to him so much. But they left me in May of 1982 on my third escape from prison. They left me. And I mean, literally, I don't know how to describe it, but it was like scales were on my eyes. And when them demons left me, even the colors of the world around me changed. Everything became brilliant and bright and I could think clearly and soberly and I could make right choices and right decisions for before that, I, I would just helter skelter be controlled by these demons because I'd yielded to them for too long. So here he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. In other words, it's something that we do. Isn't that right? He didn't say here, that Jesus is going to put on the whole armor of God for you and stand against the devil for you. It says that I and you, the Christian, needs to put on the whole armor of God to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, in high places. Notice here, he said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And a lot of people stop right there. We don't have no wrestling. No, he says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. In this context, he's talking about, but there is a wrestling against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, Jesus appeared to, well, let's read verse 13. It says, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to do what? Withstand in the evil day and having done all to what? Stand. So he said that you will be able to withstand through the armor of God, the word of God, the blood of Jesus Christ, the name of Jesus that we can overcome. But notice he said in verse 12, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. In Broken Bow, Oklahoma, Jesus appeared to Dad Hagen. Many of you would remember this story or know this story, but I'm going to borrow part of it. I'm not going to tell the whole thing because it was quite lengthy. You can read about it in the book, I Believe in Visions. It may be in the Triumphant Church a book from Kenneth Irwin Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagen. And uh, you can read it there. But uh, he was there in Broken Bow, Oklahoma, and he was at a pastor's home. And they knelt down to pray in the pastor's home with the pastor's little daughter. I think she was about 11 or 12 years old before she went to bed. And when he knelt down, Dad Hagen was in the kitchen there. They had been uh, eating a sandwich or and drinking a glass of milk or something after one of the church services. It was an Assembly of God church. 
In fact, that old wood frame church, the last time I was through Broken Bow was still there. But that, that the, where uh, in the little parsonage, they called it parsonage, that's where the parson lived. Parson was a preacher, you know. And so the church used to provide that, and they still do, but it's just different the way they do it today. So that was in that house, and that house was there, but now that same church has built a large brick, uh, you know, assembly and, and place and sanctuary and, and new Sunday school rooms because the other one was just old. But anyway, they were in the house beside this little wood frame church, similarly God church. Population back then might have been five or 600 because last time I was there, I think it was like 2,200. So you don't have to be in a big place for Jesus to show up. He'll come to a small place, just like he did there. Dad Hagen said he pulled the chair out to kneel down in this kitchen floor uh, uh, there in, in this pastor's home. And he said when he pulled the chair out and then knelt down, he knelt in what it seemed to him to be a white cloud, which we know to be the glory of God. God's glory showed up there. And when God's glory showed up there, then all the furniture he wasn't aware of his physical surroundings. In other words, he was in the spirit, in the spirit. And then the gifts of the spirit are functioning through him and the gift of discerning of spirits was operating through him. It's not the gift of discernment. It's discerning of spirits. Dad Hagen used to say it this way. Many people call that gift, the gift of discernment, he said, really, what it is, it's a gift of fault finding because it has nothing to do with discernment. It's discerning of spirits. And that's when God, you know, opens your eyes to see into the realm of the spirit and you see these things just as if that we're looking at each other right here. But it's a spiritual experience. We can call it visions because that would be appropriate too. So he knelt down and the white cloud enveloped him. He's not a conscious of the pastor, the pastor's daughter, the kitchen table, the stove, the sink, or anything else. So as he was kneeling there in this glorious experience, not expecting this to happen, he had no idea. He wasn't praying for such an experience. He had no idea this experience was going to take place. He hadn't had any special feeling prior to this. He didn't have a goosebump you know, or anything like that. But when he knelt down, suddenly he's in the spirit, the gift of discerning of spirits is an operation by God because God wants to visit him in that kitchen and give him a revelation about the devil that the church needed to know and understand. Evil spirits are real. I'm here to tell you they are real. Now we don't have to be afraid of them, but they are real. And they live in this world. They're in this world. Said, where do these evil spirits come from? There will be a class that will be taught by our pastor. I don't know if it's the origin of species or species before the origin or uh, Tahu Bavohu or Tahu Buhu. Uh, but anyway, he's got the revelation on this. What is it? It's October. Yeah. So get in that class. And, and he's going to be teaching in October, I think. Is that right? That's right. And I'm not holding him to it. You know, if he gets caught up in the spirit and, you know, he don't have to teach it. But anyway, and we're talking about evil spirits. Most of the old timers, we'll put it like this. 
uh, believed, including Dad Hagen himself. I don't know if Dr. Summerall was totally this way or not. I don't, I don't know for sure. But I know Dad Hagen believed that the spirits, these evil spirits that are here today were from, and I'm not going to fight about it because I, I can't prove it, but your pastor will fight you over because he, no, I'm not joking. He, he's gifted in this area and he can, he can do it. He can teach it. But they believed that these evil spirits come from what, what is called a pre-Adamic race. That there was a kingdom on earth prior to, uh, prior to man, Adam and Eve being created. And I believe you could, uh, in fact, you can prove it out in the scriptures if you do the research. But what I do is I don't do the research. I'll let Pastor Craig prove it and I take the credit for it. That's all. <laughs> you know what I mean? But Brother Hagin believed that those spirits came from a pre-Adamic race that Satan ruled over because of and his fall and all that stuff that happened and all that over there. And, and there's a lot of people I know that believe that. You know what I mean? And plus, there's a lot of things that they find on earth in fossil records that we've never had known of in what we would call the in the last 6,000 years. Right. These things in giant woolly mammoths. In fact, in Waco, Texas, I was down there in Waco, Texas, and my wife and my son was with me on back in there a few years back. And they have this place that you can actually go to uh, in this uh, park area, and you can see woolly mammoths. You ever heard that term, woolly mammoths? Which are giant elephants is what I call them, but they're gigantic. And they have uncovered these things in the ground. And instead of fully bringing them out, they left them there and put protection over them so people could come by and see. And they don't know where they come from either. But they're right there in Waco, Texas. I don't know if they ever made it up here or not. But anyway. <laughs> so those kind of things in our modern day, and again, I'm not getting too far out here because I don't know enough to get too far. I'm just telling you, I witnessed that. I saw that. And some of these dinosaurs that are gigantic, that they find these things, you know, we've never had record of them in our modern time. We'd say in the last 6,000 years plus, that we know of. So those things had to come from somewhere. And so Dan Hagen leaned that way and believed that way. And then uh, there's a a gentleman named, uh, I think, Finnis Dakes. In fact, he's he's lived his latter life in Lawrenceville, Georgia, not far from Columbus, Georgia. He's got a Bible called the Dakes Bible. He's got some information on that and revelation in that. But anyway, they believe that these evil spirits that's on here came from that pre-Adamic race and uh, that, that world was destroyed and there's scriptures throughout the Bible that Pastor Craig can prove to you with because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not smart enough to do all that. And so, but, and say that these demons as a, probably as a general rule came from that particular pre-Adamic race. Now, why they are still here on earth I don't know. All I do know is that Jesus did not ban them from earth while he was here. He dealt with evil spirits where he went. And they all said to him, or not all, several of them would say to him, have you come to torment us before the time? In other words, there is a time that they're going to be removed from this earth. 
there is a time that they're going to be taken away because they know it's coming. And we believe we can see that over into the book of Revelation. We believe we can see those things there. And I'm, not, again, not getting too far out there, but where they, where, where they came from is uh, not, I'm not going to give a test on that at all. But what I do want to give a test on is this, that devils and evil spirits do exist. When I say devils, I'm talking about demons and evil spirits. They do exist. And they are here to cause havoc in your life. And one of the greatest things that Satan wants to do is to bring you in rebellion. That's what he wants to do. Do you know that? He wants to bring you in rebellion because Satan did what? He rebelled against God. Isn't that right? He rebelled. He's rebellious. And when people get that on them, you can know. It don't mean they're possessed or anything like that. But you can get those thoughts and attitudes of rebellion because I had it. I came out of what they, the hippie generation. I survived it. (laughs) I survived it. Listen, we went to the moon in a 1973 VW Volkswagen. We did. Brother Greg ain't never had a good ride like that. I'm telling you right now. We went to the moon. We had taken this stuff called acid. And we had this green Volkswagen. 1973 Super Beetle Volkswagen. And we drove on top of this big hill and it was a full moon. I mean, giant. And it looked like, and we sat there in that car mesmerized with the thought for about three hours and we were literally on the moon in our mind, but we had never left earth. (laughs) I mean, we were messed up. (laughs) Tripping, yeah. Taking a trip because we we were messed up back then. And so getting back to the fact about demons existing, there should be no doubt that there are evil spirits in this world. There should be no doubt that the evil spirits wants to control you for this reason. They want to destroy you. And if you yield to them long enough, I'm speaking by the Holy Ghost. If you yield to them long enough, the devil will set you up and he will take you out. Because rebellion always ends in disaster. It does. And you would say, well, Brother Randy, you can't scare me. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just telling you the truth. So, evil spirits exist. And we need to deal with them when we recognize them. Now, how do we deal with these evil spirits and how do they come around? Evil spirits come around through attitudes, thoughts, and actions, paraphernalia, doing, having things in your presence you shouldn't be, watching things you shouldn't watch, doing things you shouldn't do. Can I tell you about my, my sister-in-law? 
Oh, you want me to tell you about your sister-in-law? <laughs> you want me to expose your sister-in-law or, or tell about my sister-in-law? I was over in Uvalde, Texas. You know where Uvalde's at? It's not real far from Houston. It's right off of Interstate 10 over there. In fact, it's not real far from Galveston, Texas. But I was in Uvalde, Texas, and I was with my brother at my brother's house. I actually had a three-bedroom apartment. My daddy was there. My little brother was there. Little brother, he was bigger than I was, you know. But he was there, and my, and my oldest brother was there. And my oldest brother was what you call the director of the original chocolate chip cookie company. You ever seen the cookies that they sell in the malls? Well, this particular company out of the Uvalde, Texas area, actually Tomball, if you know where Tomball is, you know where Tom is, it's by the ball park, they call it Tomball, you know. But anyway, (laughs) that's where this thing originated it. And the first guy come up with it is making these cookies. And it was called the original Great American Chocolate Chip Cookie Store. So my brother needed help because they were just fledgling company at the time. And we were all builders. We knew how to build and everything. And so he had, had asked us, would we come out? Because they were paying very good money. And we'd go into a mall and take a lease space. And we had to open a cookie store in 30 days. Now, that seems like it's impossible, but it's not if you got somebody that knows what they're doing. Don't make me go put that fence in. My God, I'm... <laughs> If you got somebody that knows what they're doing, you can open a cookie store in 30 days. And if you didn't, you lost property, uh, profit, you know, by that. So I'm there, and because all the bedrooms are full, because my brother had his wife there. Of course, this has been years ago. I wasn't married, nothing. And so I'm there, and I'm sleeping on the pull-out sofa bed. Y'all know what that thing is, you know. And so I was there, and we all went to bed that night. And of course, we're just going to get up early, you know, to go to work in the next morning. And so when I laid down and went to bed, I had just, you know, normally I'm just right off to sleep. But all of a sudden, the room got cold. You think about it, you get cold when I got 10 times as cold as you get. I got cold. Well, I knew my brother had an air conditioner in that home, central heat and air, but I had never since an air conditioner, I had an air conditioner get that cold that quick. I thought it was a natural event how wrong I was. Let me back up just a little bit. My sister-in-law, my oldest brother's wife, Becky. Y'all remember Becky? She's done gone on to heaven now. She got straight eventually. Eventually. She had been basically losing her mind. She had uh, two children, and my brother always had to have somebody come to not only watch the children when he went to work, but watch her. Because she would just leave them. I mean, babies that needed their diaper change and bottles and, and things like that. And she hadn't been that way. She just started getting that way after they moved out there to Uvalde, Texas because they come from uh, Georgia and moved out to Uvalde, Texas. And then she got to where she just basically was to, just a nervous wreck 
everything, you know, depressed, and her hair started, had beautiful long blonde hair, a beautiful girl. Long blonde hair, and her hair was falling out in splotches. And they took her to the doctor and psychiatrist and all this, and they were going to eventually just admit her into some kind of home to try to help her because nobody knew what to do with her. You know, the doctors didn't, the psychiatrists didn't, and the psychologists and the medical doctors, the medical field, they didn't know what was wrong with her. But remember, I'm going to sleep or laid down on that sofa bed that had pulled out and this uh, cold, it came so cold. I mean, I literally was, seemed to me I was freezing. So I, I, I grabbed the covers, you know, trying to wrap up in them, you know. And I was going to get up and check the air conditioner because it was in there. The thermostat was in this room that I was in and make sure that somebody hadn't inadvertently turned it down, which I didn't think it was possible for to get that cold. But when I started to get up off of that sofa bed, I could not move. I was what we call paralyzed. Paralyzed. Well, there was nothing wrong with me physically. I could just jump up and go and, I mean, get it done, you know. But I couldn't move. And suddenly, I saw, it seemed to me, a dark shadow coming in the room. I couldn't see anything else but this shadow. And then it walked over to where I was at, beside my, where I was laying. I was on one side of the, the sofa bed. In fact, there was... Where it was, as I was on the, uh, if he was facing the sofa, I'd be laying on the left side with the sofa bed pulled out. And I knew immediately, I don't know how I knew I knew, but I knew immediately that this was a demon. And I knew this demon wanted to possess me. So I'd come up Pentecostal and I didn't know a lot, you know what I mean? But I did hear Mama and Daddy and Granny and Sister Vassie. Y'all remember Sister Vassie Price? And y'all remember Reverend S.N.? And Sister Betty? Y'all remember Sister Betty? I heard them pleading the blood. That's what they would do. And so I didn't know what to do, but I'm telling you, fear came with it. This fear came. And I mean, fear began to grip me I, and and I, I started trying to plead the blood and I could not get words. I could not verbalize words. My vocal cords were frozen. My tongue would not move and I was freezing and I was petrified with fear. Satan operates by mostly one principle and that's the principle of fear. God operates by another principle called the principle of faith. So here I am in fear. I'm scared. Can I tell you the truth? I was scared because I knew this was real. I knew it was supernatural and I knew it was not God. And so inside of me, even though I couldn't speak the words out, inside, deep inside, I started, I plead the blood. I plead the blood. And I got to where I could say it about that loud. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. In the name of Jesus, I plead the blood. And I'd done it more out of fear than anything else because I didn't know what else to do. Now, my daddy was a Pentecostal preacher and I knew he was in one of the back bedrooms. 
And if I called for daddy, he would be there wrestling with the devil in a few minutes. But I couldn't holler loud enough for daddy to hear me. I couldn't hear, holler loud enough for even my brother to hear me because he'd have got daddy. I mean, it was just a low thing. And I'd just sit there pleading the blood, pleading the blood. And I'd done that for 30 to 45 minutes. And then suddenly, it warmed up again. The presence was gone. And I could move. But I didn't know if I ought to move or not. But that thing had come back. And so, I didn't know a lot. But I knew that somehow that thing was in there. And I, was, I just said out loud, because I can talk now. I said, Lord, what is this? And how did it get here? He says, an evil spirit, get up and turn on the lights. So I got up and I turned on the lights. I lit up the world. Jesus is the light of the world. <laughs> and you would too. <laughs> I lit it up. He said, go over to the bookshelf. I did. He said, look there at the bookshelf. Occultic powers, it said, on one of the titles, and how to operate in them. Psychic influence from the other side. Books like that. And I looked down through that shelf, and there were so many books and then music that was some of the titles I'd never heard of, but it sounded so weird. It was of the world, I knew that. And the Lord said, that's what's wrong with your sister-in-law, Becky. She's invited this spirit in here. She didn't know she was doing it. Most people don't know they're doing it. They have these actions and attitudes and rebellion. They don't know that you're opening the door to the devil. And what he wants to do, he wants to kill you. I'm here to tell you he wants to kill you. So I went and laid back down because, you know, it's in the wee hours of the morning now after all this had happened, and I thought, well, I can't wait for my brother to get up in the morning because they're going to put her in the institution. So my brother got up. My daddy got up with the early risers, you know. So my brother got up. I said, Ray. He said, what is it? I said, I know what's wrong with Becky. He said, no, you don't know what's wrong with Becky. That was his wife, you know. Oh, his brother's name's Ray. I said, yeah. I said, last night a demon tried to possess me right here. I mean, that's what I thought. I don't know if it was or not, but that's what I felt like. I felt like it wanted to enter into me in that house and take advantage of me. And I I told him about that experience. And he knew I wouldn't lie about something like that. I mean, this is serious stuff. He said, where's daddy at? I said, well, he he went in the kitchen. So he went in there and said, daddy, come here and listen to Randy. And I told daddy. And he said, yeah, demons are real. And I said, let me show you something else. And I took my brother over there and I showed him that bookcase. And I showed him them books and I showed him that music that my brother would never approve of. But see, he was so busy in his world that he lived in and he was actually designing these cookie stores. He was doing it himself, engineering a lot of this stuff and then hiring subcontractors and he later became their own company, you know. But... uh, but, but he was doing all this, so he was so busy, he didn't really know what all was going on at home. And well, he didn't have time to go through the book. He didn't have time to sit down and read a book. And I said, Ray, you see these books? I said, this is a problem right here. Yeah. 
So he went, and immediately he got mad. He went in the bedroom and he said, Becky, get out of that bed. No, I don't want to get up. I'm staying in the bed. No, you're getting out of that bed or I'm going to drag you out of that bed. Well, it ain't good to see your husband beat up his wife in the house, you know. <laughs> but what he's thinking about is his two young babies. He knows this thing's done gone too serious now. And he's thinking about his babies and something's going to happen. So he brings her in there and shows her them books and she started crying. He said, Randy had an experience where a devil last night tried to possess him. Of course, she don't understand all this. She understand. And at that time, he really didn't understand it all. He said, is there any more of this kind of stuff in our house? No, he said, you're lying. The devil always lies. You understand? He always lies. If you yield to him, he's a liar and the father of all lies. So when you start lying and get in rebellion, you, you can, I can just tell you, yielding to the devil, he's going to kill you eventually. He will. He'll try to take you out. You don't have to be afraid of him if you stand against him. So she admitted that there's others. We, we got stuff out of the closet, out of shoe boxes, out of dresser drawers, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Stuff, even she had stuff between the mattress. Y'all remember root bags? Y'all know anything about that up here? Southern folks do. You can get the chicken feet and all this kind of stuff and do that and put it in the bag and do this and move full moon do that and the water and the stump. Well, I got to train y'all right. I'm telling y'all, y'all haven't been trained. But some of you might have been from, from nations that fool with voodoo. Oh, yeah. You ever been around all that? Witch doctors and all that kind of stuff. I remember Pastor Craig telling, telling me the story about how he was in a foreign nation and this demon lived under this bridge. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. And the missionaries and everybody was scared to go across this bridge because that thing would jump out from under there and grab them. And Pastor Craig, you know, he ain't got no sense no way. He said, my God, let's go. I'm buying it. <laughs> and went on across there. <laughs> it broke that thing in the name of Jesus, you know. Thank God for it. So we got all those books. And what we did, then Ray said, what do we do with them? I said, well, in the book of Acts, they burned them. He said, when are we going to burn them? I said, right now. I said, have you got a trash can outside? We got, where's the apartment complex? We're thinking to burn the devil. I'm just, <laughs> so he had, a, he had a, a, a trash can out there. It's one of them wire kind, you know, that you put a bag down in it. But if you took the bag out, you can see through it. So it burned good. It'd get air in it. And we had about a half half of that thing was filled, you know, about that big around and about that with all that stuff. And we put lighter fluid like you'd use at the grill, you know, all that kind of stuff. Of course, you got something a little different today, but (laughs) you showed it to me. But anyway, lighter fluid, and we lit that thing and we burnt them books. Then Daddy prayed with her, and I didn't know a whole lot. I'm telling you, I didn't. And we prayed with Becky. And then had her renounce these things. Turn away from those things in the name of Jesus. And by that night, she was a different, total person. 
she had not even known what she had done for several months because this thing had so taken her over and controlled her life because she yielded to it. Now, you don't have to be afraid of the devil. But you do need to resist the devil. You need to take authority over the devil. Remember, that doesn't mean there's a devil behind every bush. But a lot of things today, people are trying to confess away. Trying to confess away. Have evil spirits behind them and you can't confess it away. You've got to bind it and cast it out. Dad Hagen said this. Now in his latter years, he quit saying it because people went goofy with it. But Dad Hagen said this earlier on. Especially when Reverend Michael and I were at school and around. But he would say this. Because we went to school at the same time. And that's why they've never been able to straighten it out since. But anyway, <laughs> Bible school. But Dad Hagen said this. He said, if I sense the least bit of depression that comes towards me or or sense of fear or anything like that. He said, I immediately know what it is. And he said, I take authority over it in the name of Jesus and command it to go from me. You can't just confess it away. And and confession is involved in it, don't get me wrong, but you can't just take a scripture and I confess, I confess, I confess, which you do that, but you got to bind that devil in the name of Jesus and command him to go in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? Let me tell you how the devil will steal your money. The devil will steal your money. You want to hear about this too? I had went to, the Lord had told me to go to Raymond Bible Training Center. And then he supernaturally made a way for me to go. And I went to Raymond Bible Training Center. But when I went, I did not have the money to pay my tuition. I was accepted, but I didn't have the money to pay it. You could make payments, you know. And I was going to try to get up enough money. And my mama wanted to help me, of course, and daddy. But uh, they didn't have a lot, you know. And my mom and daddy didn't. And uh, so try to help me pay my tuition to go to Bible school. And so I just told my wife, I said, let's agree together that God will supernaturally pay the tuition for me to go to school in full so that we don't have monthly payments because we didn't have much money, you know, at all. And I said, let's believe God together that that will happen. She said, okay. So we prayed a prayer and we believed God. And every day it just looked like it was working in reverse. You ever saw a prayer that worked in reverse? Every, it worked in reverse. We moved out there. We got out there. In fact, uh, have you ever heard of the Beverly Hillbillies? That's what we look like going to Ramah. And literally, that is no exaggeration. I've got pictures of it. My daddy built a U-Haul truck. You know what a U-Haul is? He built one out of a three-quarter ton pickup truck. Put sideboards on it, put a top on it, and sides on it. And he made a trailer out of an old truck bed that had an axle on it and put a hitch in the front. 
I mean, it's a wonder you all didn't sue us for the patent rights. I'm just telling you the truth about it. So all we needed was granny on the top with a shotgun and we, it would have been the Beverly Hillbillies. But I was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. And I didn't care if I was a laughing stock of the country. And we had to carry a spare because that thing would blow tires because it was overloaded, you know. And so we had tires stacked up on the hood of the truck and it'd run about 45 miles an hour out on Interstate 40. Five speed in the floor. Double clutch it between gears because you don't, it's going to scrub real bad. For the days of synchronization in, in the transmissions for you mechanics. So we get out there and we're going to Bible school. We moved into this little one bedroom apartments at Fox Run, 81st and M. You remember where that was. Fox Run uh, M because it was just the lowest price that I could find. That's why we was there. And uh, one day on a Sunday, we had went to church and we came back and I'm still believing we're believing God for the money, but remember it's working in reverse. And I, we got a phone call. And my wife answered it. We had the phone that hung on the wall. This is for the days of all these cell phones. I'm telling you, they haven't always had cell phones. I don't know if you know it or not. But it had the phone where it hangs on the wall. And then it's got this long wire that goes to it so Patty could walk in the kitchen and talk while she cook, cooked everything, you know. And it's a little one-bedroom apartment, the kitchen, dining room, and all the living room kind of went together. And you had a bedroom off here and a bedroom, uh, a bathroom over there. And so we was there. She answered the phone on a Sunday afternoon. She said, yeah, yeah, he's here. Yeah, and I hadn't heard from this individual in a while. And she said, Randy, she said, John Davis is calling you. I said, John Davis? John Davis? He was a country music singer, nightclub owner. But what happened to him, and he told me, he fooled around and got around some Christian folks and started chewing Copen and Hagen. <laughs> Copeland and Hagen. <laughs> That's what he told me. And he was beside himself and he was pretty well off. He said, I had a dream last night about you. That's why I'm calling. He said, Tricia, his wife's Patricia, he called her Tricia. He said, Tricia told me I should call you and tell you about it. I said, what happened? He said, I saw that you was out there and you're struggling to pay your tuition to go to Bible school. And I said, how'd you know? He said, because I had a dream and a vision in this dream. I don't know if it's a night vision or a dream or what. And Tricia told me I better call you. And tell you about it. Have you got the money to pay you tuition? I didn't want to tell him, you know, because I'm faith man. You know how we faith man. We're faith. You know how we are. Faith people. We don't have no problems. All we need is faith in God. You know? <laughs> R.W. Schembach, you know. <laughs> so I so said, what's this got to do with the devil? Just hang on. It'll take us a while to get there, but we're going to get there. So he said to me, have you got the money? And he finally just pinned me down. I said, Mr. Davis, John, I don't, he just said, call me John, you know. Uh, he said, have you got the money? I said, no. 
He said, how much is it? And I told him, you know, it's like a million dollars to me, but it wasn't. It was less than $2,000, you know, back then. It's not now, but then. And so I think it was like 1,800 and something. Remember the first year. And I told him, he said, what's your physical address? He said, I'll send you that overnight. So he sent me that overnight. And he not only sent me enough to pay my tuition, he sent me enough to get some chicken legs and some biscuits and some black-eyed peas and all that kind of stuff. I'm telling you, God came in the mailbox. I'm here to tell you, God came. Then on top of all this, while I'm doing it, Brother Quinn, while I'm doing all this, the Lord said, I want you not to get a normal job. Now, you can't do this unless the Lord tells you. He said, I want you to go volunteer at that school. And he said, I'm going to supply your needs. He said, you need to be around that environment. I said, well, do what? He said, pick up paper, usher, sweep the floors, whatever. He said, you're going to work. You're just not going to get a normal paycheck for it. You're going to volunteer. So I wound, that's how I wound up, you know, becoming an usher. I became an usher there. And uh, Pastor David Hodges, who some of you know, he used to be the head usher for Dad Hagen. And that's how we became acquainted. In fact, he functions well in that office. Very well. He's just very astute and anointed, and he was a big blessing to Brother Hagen. So anyway, I wound up becoming an usher there and helping out. And so what we would do is uh, every day I'd say to my wife, did God come in the mailbox today? Because <laughs> it would seem like that money would come, you know, from here and there, even from unexpected people. Sometimes my mama uh, uh, would uh, call me and tell me, well, ain't so-and-so. Yo ain't heard about you because they knew how big of a heathen I was and, uh, and, and how now I'm going to Bible school. And they said, they're just so happy for you. And they wanted to send you some money. And here's a check that they, I'm going to send it to you. I said, send it quick, mama. Send it quick. <laughs> so the money, that's how God took care of us. But about, uh, I don't know, half to three quarters of the way through the school year, the uh, checks quit coming in the mailbox. God didn't get in my mailbox no more. And I said, what's going on here? So it got down, and my wife was working too, but her job alone didn't cover, you know, not that we had a lot of bills. We didn't. We were very wise with our finances. Because we had to be, we didn't have nothing to spend no way. <laughs> when you don't have no money to make no decision with, you don't have to make no decisions. <laughs> so my wife... Uh, and I got down to the point that we could pay all of our bills that month except the phone bill. And of course, we just decided, well, if we have to cut something off, we'd rather just cut the phone off because, I mean, we can live without a phone. But you've got to have power, lights, and water. I think the water was included in the apartments. You know how they, in apartments, a lot of times the water would be included. And so... We got down and she said, well, what are we going to do? And I said, I don't know. I'm thinking naturally. I said, I don't know. 
I said, I guess what we'll do is I'll call the phone company, you know, because this is over the weekend. We didn't come down to the end of the week, you know, it's Friday, and we're trying to figure out how we're going to pay the bills because it's going to be late and overdue if we don't pay it. I said, I'll just call the phone company, you know, next week and see if they will let us pay half the bill because we had the money to pay half. And then we'll pay the other half pretty soon. And she said, you reckon they will? I said, I don't know. I said, but that's, that's all I know to do. I said, because Brother Hagin taught me to pay my bills. You know what I mean? He was very particular. You didn't bounce checks with Brother Hagin. I said, you didn't bounce checks with Brother Hagin. Not him find out about it. I know you can have accidents, you know, but not purposely. <laughs> so he, he didn't, he believed in you paying your bills, you know. So on, I believe it was on a Friday night, because we, that's when we discovered all this. I told my wife, I said, let's pray about our finances. I'm talking about the devil trying to steal your money now. Let's pray about our finances. Now, my wife had worked in the dialysis field, in the medical field, you know, where people's kidneys had failed, and then they have to take their blood and run it through a dialysis machine, filters out all the evil things or bad things or poisons or whatever's in your blood, and it puts it back in her body. She worked that, done that. And she was working 12-hour shifts, but they didn't pay a whole lot of money back then. I mean, nowadays, it's a lot better than there. Anyway, she came in from work, and I said, honey, let's just pray. And uh, she had made investments in the dialysis companies back in uh, Georgia, and the money had gotten embezzled that they had put into their retirement plans and savings plans, and we found this out when she was going to take that and withdraw it and use that to help us go to Bible school. And it wasn't there. And so they basically said that you will uh, probably never get the money. It's gone. It's been embezzled. It's lost. Well, it was devastating to everybody that worked there, you know. And, of course, it was illegal, and people got in trouble for it and all that, but it still didn't replace the money. So we got down. Y'all remember Paul Walker? Y'all remember him? And Granny Walker? Y'all remember Paul and Granny? When you went in Granny's house, what you do, she had a, a shiny wooden floor, as soon as you got in good, there was a rug over by the sofa. Just kneel down and say, Granny, lay your hands on my head. When she got through praying for you, my God, any devil on you would be gone. She'd mess your hair up. I mean, it would be, I mean, she didn't believe you was getting nothing unless you has been shook. You know, you had to be shook real good. And I'd have Granny praying, praying for me. So Paul and Granny Walker gave us a little green sofa. It's a little small sleeper sofa. In fact, I didn't like that thing because it was heavy. It was made out of real wood. So I got over there by the sofa and I put my face down in this carpet in this little room, this little living room you'd call it. It was a living room, dining room all together and the kitchen's around a little nook around the corner. And then my wife knelt down by the, by the green sofa and we started praying. We prayed all we know how to pray in English, which wasn't much, you know. And... Uh, asking the Lord to help us, and we didn't know what it was, our financial situation. We were in a situation where we can't pay all our bills. And then we just started praying in heaven's language, in other tongues. Remember that? Yeah. Praying in heaven's language. And as, as we were praying along, I noticed my wife was 
drifting off to sleep because she got up very early that morning and she's not an early morning person. She had to get up early, be at work at 6 o'clock and then work 12 hours, you know, so she's kind of worn. And so I, I just stayed with it and she's doing the best she can, you know, with it and thank God for that, you know. But I just stayed with it. And after praying this way, about 45 minutes, about an hour, I was in the spirit. And then suddenly, I'm not aware of my physical surroundings. I'm telling you how the devil tries to steal your money. And I'm caught up, and as far as I know, I don't know where I'm at. But it seems like that I was in the heavenly realm. And I was standing on a cobblestone walkway that was about three and a half foot wide. And I looked around wondering, what does all this mean? And I could see the most beautiful, exquisite flowers and grass. And it seemed like the grass and the flowers were singing, you know. And I thought, what is going on? And then I heard some racket, like that going on. And I looked in the direction the racket was coming from, which is down the sidewalk in front of me. And I looked and there was a house with an A-frame roof with beautiful, intricate carpentry uh, work and carnish work out there. And I'd been a carpenter and I knew that it took a long time, Brother Jeff, for somebody to put that stuff on there. He's a good carpenter. Get him. <laughs> but anyway, I seen that. And then I thought, well, where's this racket coming from? And had a rounded top door like this with a rounded top and then had slats kind of across it and all. It had a, a big, looked like a brass or golden handle. And then I noticed what was making the racket. There was a little creature there that had a hook to that door handle on that door, big old wooden door. And he had his foot against that house. It was a cobblestone wall of the house too. And he was pulling on it, trying to close it. And he'd close it almost all the way too. And then it would pop back open six to eight inches. And he'd scream and cry and holler and pull again. Well, immediately, I knew it was a devil. It was an evil spirit. And I just said, I don't know why I said it, but I just said out to the Lord. I said, Lord, what does this mean? He said, it's not me stopping your finances. He said, it's that demon right there. That house represents everything that I have already provided for you and the ministry I called you to. And he said, but until you command that devil and command him to take his hands off your money, he said, you're not going to have any. Notice what did not happen. The Lord did not rebuke the devil for me. He told me what to do in order to make it leave. I'd never had an experience like that before. So immediately, you know, it, the vision's over. And, and I reached over and touched my wife. And I said, honey, honey. She said, what is it? What is it? I said, I know what it is. She said, what is it? I said, I just saw a demon. And I said, a demon's what's been blocking her finances. It's not God withholding them from us. It's the devil. And I said, the Lord told us to bind that thing. So we agreed together in the name of Jesus. We bound that devil and commanded him to take his hands off our money and loose it and let it go in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And we started praising God and thanking God and glorifying God and magnifying God. This is uh, by the next week, just right towards the middle of the week. It wasn't many days further. 
the company that said that she would never get any money from the money that she had been saving sent her a check for a lot of money that said that she'd never get it. And we bought us some Zuzus and Wham Whams. I'm here to tell you, if you've never had any Zuzus and Wham Whams, you're missing half of your life. I mean, my Lord, we ate high on the pig, high on the cow. We even had a hot dog. My God, I'm telling you the truth about it. I mean, we was able to feed Rama students for a while. I'm here to tell you. Because it broke loose. I said all that to let you know that it was the enemy that was trying to thwart God's plan for my life. But he could not stop it in the name of Jesus. Also had an experience. I'm trying to close. You keep dragging me on. Had an experience in the uh, United States of America with the Supreme Court. Now, do you have a, what do y'all, do y'all have a parliament? What do y'all have here? Parliament, and you've got people that sit there, you vote them in or whatever, or they're appointed or something. I was uh, praying and seeking God. This is how demons, we talked about individuals and how the devil tries to influence individuals. Then we talked about how he tries to take individuals' money and steal their money. And of course, at the same time, you've got to have wise business practices with your money. You've got to do the right thing with it, you know. And now I'm going to talk to you about how you try to control a nation. And this is from personal experience. And I can tell you several of these stories, but at least this one I'll get it in. I was praying, and while I was praying, suddenly, I'm not aware of my physical surroundings. This experience sort of like Dad Hagen had in Broken Bow, Oklahoma, when Jesus appeared to him and told him about the devils, demons, and evil spirits. I don't think I ever got that story out, did I? Yeah. But in that, in that story there in Broken Bow, Oklahoma, Jesus appeared to him. Remember when he was out down in that cloud? And he said, I'm going to teach you and tell you and show you about devils, demons, evil spirits, and how they even try to get a hold of Christians if they will allow them to. You know what I mean? And, uh, and then Jesus showed him how the devil operates and what they do and that how that the believer has authority over the devil. He proved to him in the Bible that nowhere in the New Testament is a believer ever told to pray to God to do something about the devil for them. They're always told to do something about the devil themselves. And he proved it from the Bible, which I, that's not my message, you know. So anyway, here I am, and I knew these things now, you know. And suddenly, as I'm praying, I'm caught up in the spirit. I'm not aware of my physical surroundings. And I'm standing in what we call in the United States, the Supreme Court of the United States of America. They have nine justices or judges. We have what we call three branches of government in the United States. And they're supposed to balance one another out through the presidential office, the Congress, and the Supreme Court. But that is a joke. But anyway... (laughs) They're supposed to keep each other in check, but I think they've all teamed up with the devil trying to kill us. I'm just telling you the truth about it. (laughs) It seemed to be what's going on. But we do have what they call three branches of government. They're supposed to be co-equal and and all have the same, but it it don't ever work that way. So anyway, I'm standing in Supreme Court. Now, how did I know I was there? I just knew that I knew. Now, I had never been in the Supreme Court in my life. I'd never been able to grace my presence like I had in other courtrooms with the Supreme Court. <laughs> I had blessed many other courtrooms in my prior 
past, but never had I been in the Supreme Court. So I'm standing there, and immediately I looked, and I could see all the benches and chairs, and I could see the intricate woodwork and everything, and there was nobody there. And I'm standing up towards the front, and uh, the way I was standing, I'd be standing kind of like right here, and the bench that the nine judges, or they call them justices, they're appointed for a lifetime. The president appoints them, and then Congress votes on them. That's how they get in. And that's usually a war, you know, trying to keep somebody in. Of course, that's how we got the right, under Mr. Trump, we got the right people in there to overturn the uh, abortion law. You know what I mean? For the federal level, you know. So there's nine justices sit on this bench just kind of up here, you know. And I'm standing there wondering what's going on. And out of my side view, peripheral vision off my left, I seen movement. When I saw movement, uh, I turned expecting to see one or all nine of the Supreme Court justices sitting up on that bench. But when I turned and looked to my shock and surprise and amazement, there sat a demon in one of those chairs. And it was, uh, so how do you describe it? I mean, I really can't describe because there's no creature on earth that I could describe, but it was a big baboon looking thing. You know what I mean? But it was ugly, evil, but it, it wasn't a baboon. But I'm just trying to give you some kind of idea. And then suddenly, a word of knowledge came to me. With that, I got a vision going on, discerning the spirits. Now, a word of knowledge comes. And I said, I see you. I see you. Now, the people that were there, there were some people there when I had this experience. And it was mic'd and taped and all that stuff. They knew I was having experience, but they didn't know what was going on because they didn't see it. And I said, I see you. I see you. I see how all these ungodly laws have gotten passed in the United States of America. I see what you're trying to do in the United States of America. Now, in the name of Jesus, and this is all through the gift of faith operating also, and God's anointing on me. I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come down from there now in the name of Jesus. Immediately, say immediately. 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 That thing didn't hesitate at all. It jumped up on top of the bench where it would be flat and then it jumped down and hit the floor about the distance from here to that pulpit from me. And I said, not only have you got to come down, I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave the Supreme Court of the United States of America. And it took off trotting down through the Supreme Court, down an aisle that was there. And I don't know why I would be this carnal. You wouldn't be that way. I was thinking... Is that thing going to happen to open the door to get out of here? (laughs) I mean, I didn't know. But when it got to the door, the door didn't open. That thing went through it. And it left the Supreme Court. Then the word of the Lord came unto me saying, by this time tomorrow, she, and he spoke her name and I'm not going to call it, will be removed from the Supreme Court for to send my will and my plan. And then within a months to come, the man will die that's on the Supreme Court. The very next day, and that was the least likely suspect that I'd ever think that would leave the Supreme Court. The very next day, that lady resigned from the Supreme Court. The very next day. And on down the road, the man passed away. Now, why did all that happen? 
All I know is the church was praying. The devil always tries to influence. He wants to influence your parliament. He wants to influence our Supreme Court. He wants to influence our presidential office where you would have a, a prime minister, I believe, here. He wants to influence them. And it's important that we pray about these governmental positions because in that area is where the enemy tries his best to stop and thwart the plan of God. Now, in closing, if you'll let me. I got plenty more stories, but I want to talk to you about something that's very important. We need to pray for the church as never before. There are evil spirits that are operating in the body of Christ. They are impersonators. They are called religious spirits. These religious spirits impersonate the Holy Ghost. And if you're not walking closely with God, then you can actually yield to a religious spirit and think the Holy Ghost is talking to you. And what these evil spirits always do, these religious spirits always do, is they produce doctrines of devils. And some key leaders in the body of Christ that's world-renowned are actually, one of them I know is possessed with a devil, a religious spirit. Now that don't mean I say this to attack any individual, but I say this also. The church as a whole must take a stand against these things as we are led by God. It don't mean we go around binding the devil 24 hours a day, but we cannot act like these things don't exist We need to take authority over our communities. We need to take authority over the GTA right here in Canada. Because I tell you, sometimes I look on them skyscrapers and wonder how many demons are hanging off of them in major cities that I go to. Because they have influence and they're trying to influence the government, but also they're trying to influence the church, the body of Christ. And in fact, you know, the Spirit of God showed us already in this meeting that some of these places and organizations, these Christian organizations, are going to fade away. You remember that? Fade away. And the reason for that is they're yielding to the wrong spirit. And they're, they're hurting the plan of God. Ladies and gentlemen, I encourage you today to take authority in your life. Take authority and use it. Do not allow the devil to control you or dominate you. If you've got any kind of paraphernalia, any kind of music, any kind of thing that is just ungodly, get rid of it. Don't let it come into your home. Don't watch it. Don't partake of it. Don't do anything with it. Because all those things open the door to the devil. Because we're entering into a time now that there's going to be a lot of devils being cast out. And that's why he's on the prowl, on the prowl right now. The enemy is on the prowl trying to come against the church and come against families in the church, trying to come against me, trying to come against you, trying to come against my family, trying to come against your family, but we got authority over him. You do not have to be afraid of the devil. You take authority in the name of Jesus. 
And he's got to obey you in Jesus' name. Just keep standing because the Bible says stand. Isn't that right? Stand, stand, stand. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we're taking a stand in Jesus' name. And Lord, we're going to do what you said do. And we're going to walk in the way that you say walk. And we're going to go in the way that you say go. And we're not going to turn to the left nor to the right. Thank you, Lord Jesus.